We're far over six feet. All right, you guys, welcome to the first ever WSJ Friday Pod. The live studio audience has just arrived. And we are in Gilderoy's beautiful Avondale room with the garage door open, letting some brisk January air in while Pat and Matt enjoy their Negronis, the famous outdoor wintertime drink. Welcome to the uh, welcome to the Friday Pod, guys. Thanks, buddy. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. How's how's twenty twenty one starting off in, in in five words or fewer? Um, Tom's one word. Now I have four. It's been uh, it's been fun with uh, a lot of interest in chopping wood and we've we've already done that a couple times so far just in the first couple of weeks exciting similar hopeful refreshing and cold <laughs> so so pass the technician and you're the free spirit is, is what we gleaned from the trade rules so on the subject of, uh, of the chopping of wood, um, we'll start in the most immediate circumstance. You guys have been out already this year. Paint a picture of the experience for me. What, where, where were you chopping wood? What are the step-by-steps? How do you decide, is it part of your daily calendar or is it something where um, the spirit takes you and you, know, you sort of are like people on a nuclear submarine and you both have to be possessed by the moment. What, what's the, what, what was the logistical process when you guys went out this most recent time and what happened? Well, I will have you know a couple of things here before we dive into the mindset and the logistics and the operations, you know, which we'll get into. Yeah. Uh, I will have you know we did start the new year doing some uh, research scavenging down in the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico. Uh, exploring the different trees down there uh, and getting familiar with the different hardwoods they use. And that was, uh, was a great way to start the year, a uh, new perspective. Uh, what, say, the different hardwoods, they, what do you mean? Yeah, so, you know, different parts of the world, they have different trees that are indigenous to those areas. So down in Mexico in the Yucatan, uh, where they use a lot of hardwood to cook their foods, right? Uh, the locals down there, and you know how Mexico it is, they're not going to the Home Depot to buy their wood, they're going in there and finding their own wood and cutting it down and then putting it on like a cart on a bicycle and riding it down the street. So we had some conversations down there with folks that are, uh, you know, getting their own wood and then using it as fuel for the food that they cook and learned a little bit about what's going on down there. So you were interested in, are you interested in the eventual utility of the wood for fuel, or are you just all about the chopping? You're just like, tell me what it's like to obliterate this type of wood versus another. Well, I think that like it's there's a lot of different facets to it. Um, I'd say that for me, and maybe for Matt, but I'll just speak for myself. It's the it's the the utility of the tree, like what you can use it for and all the, all the different applications that it has. So, you know, you can make a beautiful piece of furniture from it, um, or you can burn it in a fire. Uh, and different types of woods are, are better for different things. Uh, 
And then of course the act of actually like finding the right tree. And in our case, most of the times, most of the, in our case, most of the time, it's not a live tree that we're actually cutting down, but we're like finding a tree that's already been felled or is down or is, uh, you know, being discarded and then cutting that thing up into pieces that we need and then figuring out how we opportunistically use those pieces that we cut down. And so, yeah, that, that's a good segue into... Uh, well, I would say, Matt, just to, um, just to verify, <laughs> like, what, what were some of the... Um, elements of hardwood in the Yucatan Peninsula that were revealed to you guys? Well, we were on the beach at the time and there was just kind of an open plain of sand, um, a lot of driftwood, and we just kind of said, hey, like clearly there needs to be a beach fire in our horizon when we're staying here. I mean, it was a perfect scene for it. So we just picked up a bunch of rocks and created a little pit. And when you see all the, the driftwood that comes up, I mean, it's everything. There's bamboo, which doesn't even grow there, but it's crazy that that floated across the ocean and landed on the beachfront. And we used that plus um, what it appeared to be some form of like decking for boats or ships that just clearly had just come ashore, right? So from a been, sunken ship, <laughs> from some form of like cursed, know. like cursed wood. <laughs> there was some story behind each piece. <laughs> And, but, but after, you know, it soaks in the salt water and then you burn it, I mean, it's pure sandalwood, right? And it smelled amazing. So we were just fascinated by the fact that we could take some of the most, like, crazy looking pieces of wood, but then also just use what was around us. So we weren't chopping down trees, it was just, right? So that was fun in itself and realizing what we were doing is not anything that hasn't been done for centuries, right? But for some reason, people weren't doing it. And the next, next thing we know, our neighbors, two nights later, set up a fireplace and we're doing the same exact thing. Um, so it's, it's certainly, I think, the fire, one of many applications, but the fire that people gather around is a big driver. Yeah. Um, and I know for us, like, typically after we do some chopping, we'll probably make a fire, almost just like a ceremonial, like, ritual. After, it just makes sense, but it doesn't have to be that. It's turned into furniture, it's turned into cooking, um, but yeah, it's, it's got, it's got a, a fun element to it, just the process of chopping as well. But you guys weren't actually uh, applying any process to, to the wood in Mexico. You were just gathering. Yeah, that was just gathering. We didn't, uh, we didn't fly with our axes. <laughs> we did look, yeah, we did home. look at maybe buying a chainsaw down there to bring it back because it would be uh, less expensive than the chainsaws here. But I wasn't going to check any luggage, and I'm pretty sure you can't carry on a chainsaw, so it didn't make it back. <laughs> um, all right, so then you went out most recently here in Chicago somewhere. Well, so here's the thing. In general, whether in Mexico burning beach driftwood or in Chicago actually cutting up sections of a tree, uh, I think something that Matt and I both strongly identify with and like becomes a bit of an ethos for us is finding wood, whether it's a, a tree or just some discarded lumber, and then finding a use for it. So yeah. there's probably a word for that that I don't know that you might know, Healy. You know, you're going to know words for that. Like <laughs> taking a thing that's there and then making the best of it in a creative application. Um, but it's it's not often that we're like, well, in this instance, when we were like, let's bring firewood to Guild Row, we know what we're looking for. 
but it's not often that we're like, let's do this. It's like, oh, we got this. Our, our minds and eyes were open to uh, this and then let's do something with it. So like down there, we had this like, all this driftwood that we ended up burning. And then you're like, oh, it smells amazing. It smells like sandalwood when you burn it. And it was interesting because it was very lightweight wood, but it would burn just as long as some of the heavier, denser pieces of wood here. And I was like, huh, that's an interesting thing to learn uh, about that. Up here, the latest area where we've been pulling wood from is like a golf course up in the Wilmette and Evanston area. You don't um, have to name names. We won't name names. No, definitely <laughs> not. Um, where there's been an effort up there by some of the the locals to uh, take it upon themselves to help manage the uh, community-owned municipal golf course up there, uh, manage certain holes and make sure the holes, like uh, the golf course holes, uh, like uh, adapt a highway. Exactly, they adopt like holes up there, and and so um, these guys have been clearing areas that need to be cleared, cutting trees, removing uh, species of of like like bramble or something that are not like somewhat invasive, right? Uh, and so then we noticed this operation and we've been going up there and they actually had a huge effort where they cleared a ton of very large cottonwood trees and some other trees. And uh, we've been going up there and pulling wood from that with chainsaws and uh, finding sections that are interesting and then chopping them up with axes in our backyard. Are you able to pull up like old news clips of George W. Bush at his ranch and like dissect it like game film. <laughs> sure. Yeah, if you're talking about, you know, Bush going out there and chopping wood. And brush clearing and yeah, like, clearing yeah. brush and be like, here's what he's doing here. Like, I'm not sure why he's doing that. Let's look at his form, let's look at his technique. Stop here, go back, take it back, take yeah. it back. Yeah. You can tell a lot about a man from the way he chops wood. There's certainly that. What's, what's the... There's a lot of things that you can do wrong uh, when you're when you're swinging that axe, and we've we've seen that through hosting guests. You know, a lot of people enjoy. Oh my gosh, I want to I want to try it. And we give them a couple tutorials on how to do it. We've got a few videos of people doing it wrong. What what is right. the like? Is it like backswing fallout, or is it like? What yeah. what what are the typical pitfalls? For me, I mean, and, and I don't have this. Uh, same boat it's all about your position when you set up yeah you know, just make sure the axe length is <laughs> factored, the factored in yeah and, and then come down and make sure that you're square you know to the piece of wood and if you're not it, it can get you know problematic but if like, you are it's but like problematic like splinters or problematic, problematic like, like someone joined you as a guest like sparks on the ground from the axe hitting the concrete you know you learn interesting things about people when you ask them to split a piece of wood with an axe. For, so, for instance, you're, you're making a lot of eye contact. For instance, I, yeah. I, I I know you in this in the you know encounters we've had so far with each other, quasi professional and social, but I haven't seen you with an axe in your hand trying to split a piece of wood. You know, that's my next level of getting to know you, and I look forward to when we have that chance. For sure. But I was surprised my own father, who I know very well, right? We put an axe in his hand and asked him to split a piece of wood and discovered he had never done that in his whole life. And he overshot on his, he, so he, he, yeah. he, he, the, the handle hit the log. I mean, which when, hurt, it was cold. So for each of you, when was the first time that you picked up an axe and split a piece of wood in your life? 
for me, that was like uh, about three months ago. <laughs> <laughs> I've been dreaming about it those for 35 years. So the three months ago, like build the build the uh, or like uh, set the scene for me first time. What what happened? Um, my neighbor kept getting mad at us whenever we would go buy firewood for the pizza oven. Um, he's like, "Why did you?" do that like I have so much extra wood just come take it and also why aren't you just splitting wood and that seed was planted I don't know sometime last year so when we had like some big stumps and some extra like you know cuts laying around he gave us the axe I mean he basically set us up to, to just do it and um, I had watched hilariously I mean it's like out of my own weirdness I just watched a YouTube video to make sure I was doing it right <laughs> of like you know how to split correctly because these things are heavy and you don't want to like chop you know whatever so um, is it like most things that once you get into the YouTube world of it you're like oh my god there are 1400 YouTube videos of people for chopping sure it. and yeah. everybody has very very strong opinions about how to do it and it's kind of funny you can go down a rabbit hole for sure um, but it really is just simple, just getting the, the blade square to the piece that you're cutting and also just do it on some on top of something that's sacrificial, like another stump. Um, but yeah, that first, I remember the first slice, Pat and uh, our, uh, our roommate Joe were watching and they're like, holy shit, because it was a good split. The next few were terrible. They didn't split at yeah, all. Yeah, the beginner's luck. Yeah, that total beginner's luck. But, you know, it's also... You know, advantage through the cold. You really want to have dry wood, and you want to have a dry environment. Otherwise, the wood will just not split. Were you? How good did you think you would be at it? Because just to offer a little context for you know the listenership, um, you played Division One college football. Um, you had a successful career in the Marine Corps. That. Uh, you know, I'd imagine um, you're probably not a person who's like daunted or uncomfortable by like a new type of physical challenge. I would guess. Yeah, I, I mean, I I knew I'd be a natural for sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, only it's pretty it's pretty easy to do, um, it, despite any anything around my background. As long as you can, if you know how to swing a baseball bat or a golf club, um, or even if you don't. If you know how to keep your eye on something and just swing downwards, you're going to be pretty good. I will say it does require, after your first couple of swings, if you really still want to be good at it, it requires focus. Um, mm. I'd yep. say Pat's a, a man of focus. Um, he you really, kept the five Yeah, if you need a consistent, consistent chop going, yeah, he's your guy. So, Cerrone, the first time you chopped wood? I think it was when I was younger, I did like Boy Scouts, Cub Scouts, and, and so like in like junior high, middle school, we would go on the camping trips, and there was, I'm pretty sure we were chopping wood then, and then years later, but I didn't grow up with it, and then like years later, I think I was camping with my cousin, maybe call it seven, eight years ago, mm -hmm. and we were splitting wood out there. That was like in Wisconsin or where? In we? Wisconsin, exactly. Yeah. That, was the, like, that was the last time I had done it until a few months ago. Did they like have an ax there? Yeah, yeah. We, cause like he's got this piece of land uh, that they own that we'll just do camping on. Yeah. And so they'll like be clearing trees and piling up wood and then we would be like splitting it to burn it. Yeah. So that was probably the last time it was like when I was a kid, eight years ago and then three months ago. But it's something at first, it's very uncomfortable and scary to 
be like having this sharp object and like knowing you need to swing it with force and you're worried about like cutting your leg off, right? Yeah. But then once you start doing it, you become more comfortable and then it's like anything, you start to then want to improve the technique and uh, think about different ways of doing it. So there's basically like two main ways that we've learned to uh, split wood. The, me the method that I prefer most of the time is like being square to the piece of wood okay. with feet, feet spread a little bit wider than shoulder width and uh, coming straight overhead and coming straight down on the Stereotypical montage, movie montage style. Exactly. Yeah. The other way is like maybe you have your, if you're a right-handed dominant person, you'd have your left foot forward and you would be throwing from your side yeah. coming down, um, which is more akin to like a baseball bat swing or a golf swing. Right, um, both methods are good. You just got to figure out which one that you would prefer. And then, as Matt says, focus is key. And taking an extra an extra moment to breathe and focus before you swing makes mm -hmm. a big difference. Oh yeah. oh yeah. But like, and particularly that, um, like that type of uh, endurance of focus is is um, that's a good place for you to be. Yes. For sure. Well, he goes out there on his own, <laughs> like on a Tuesday night, and he just lets us lets the house know, you know, he's gonna be splitting wood. Yeah. But I think for him, it's almost like a, a post work stress relief. Definitely. Ha have you all, like? Is it a new type of zone you've discovered doing this, or is this like? Yeah, I remember when I used to, you know, I don't know, play drums. Like that. That there. Do you? Is it? Um, uh, Evocative of like a type of um, long horizon focus you had been able to escape into before, or is this like a new thing for you? It, it, it potentially could be because it, it does have aspects of that. So for me, my things that I would do that are those things is like practicing yoga, right? Is one of those things where it's like anything that you can get into a state of your mind is quieted because you're singularly focused on that activity. So like, uh, Skateboarding, for instance, riding a bicycle fast through traffic, that's the only thing you can focus on. Uh, chopping wood with an axe with focus, like it can be that. And so like, especially if you're working on, say like a piece of wood that's like uh, wet and large, it doesn't split easily. So then you have to like, there's a lot of like continuous effort and a little bit of strategy around where you attack that piece of wood to split it where you can kind of get into that like singular focus state, which can be fun. The, uh, do you, do you now have it where it's like the, the people, what's the longest you've gone without splitting wood in the past? Like <laughs> since we started the wood splitting operation in our backyard, which by the way, started with a ax gift from the neighbor and then Matt bought three axes at the store. And then what's, what's, what store? Good question. We, we name and names now? Okay. Oh, we can, I mean, <laughs> it's Menards. You know, you can give me a code. You know, name. it's actually a Sponsored Menards. Sponsored by Menards. Not, this podcast is not the Menards Kirk. here in, in Chicago, though. They didn't have the access. I was actually out in Indiana and bought, bought three more. Um, you know, figured if we're all going to be splitting, let's not have the yeah. axe be the holdup. Um, do, do you have your dreams on the, like, Cadillac? 
model of an axe. Well, I feel like we got one. Yeah, we yeah. call it the murder axe. Yeah, we. <laughs> <laughs> it's catchy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's. I mean, you can't. You it's it. One you can't buy at Menards or at stores. It's. It's got something special. Because they don't have ones that have been used to murder people already. Exactly. Yeah, it's your classic murder axe. <laughs> they don't sell them at your everyday Home Depot anymore. Um, the first time you guys went out together, like when, when, where, who, who initiated the idea? What was the persuasion like? What was the whole thing? I, I feel like, and I mean, we were both frustrated by spending hundred twenty forty dollars from Chicago firewood, not to name names, um, for you know just buying this wood when you're like look around how many trees are falling how much wood goes into these landfills it's just insane and we're spending this much money and we you know with our oven cooking we just have a lot we go through a fair amount of wood so literally out of like a, a sheer like what's another you know, economical route we could take here was I think the seed that really started it and then well and I'll just cut in Matt actually for the last year or so has been very much he's the one that kind of brought into our my awareness the idea of like looking for wood when you can find it a tree that had been cut down in the neighborhood there have been several times where there have been a tree cut down in our neighborhood and Matt's been like let's go get wood let's go get sections of that tree and then let's put them in our house so we, we started that like a while before we even started yeah kind of splitting. yeah yeah that was certainly in the, the initial interest for that was just furniture or some form of like outdoor use use case but never to burn it but when we had all those stumps sort of backlogged and the need for firewood and not having to pay so much for it because if you think about it like all all you're paying for is processing right right and and i guess freight or whatever right but yeah which well we which you have to do yourself and right you yeah customer, unless so. you plan to actually right like, have a fire in the parking lot of Alaska. Exactly. Yeah. We're filling up our cars. <laughs> <laughs> but like when the processing is fun, yeah. why not just do it yourself, right? The processing is truly fun. You take the stump, cut it up with a chainsaw, and you're swinging an axe at it, and then it's yours. So, so where, was, where was the first place you guys went? Um, it was Matt found the spot by the VA. Yeah. The VA. <laughs> Oh, right outside the Jesse Brown VA Hospital was, was this lot, abandoned lot, and we had just talked about this, and I had gone to an appointment, and I looked across the way, I was like, oh my god, there's a bunch of fallen trees here, and uh, we took a couple trips, picked up a couple loads, brought them back, um, this is right in the middle of like a very busy intersection, by the way, which was kind of funny. Cause Wait, we, in the middle of what? It's a very busy like intersection, there's doctors. Because it's like, it's like Damon and uh, Polk? Like, Damon and yeah. Him. Yeah. Like yeah. near Taylor, maybe just yeah. south of Taylor. Yep. Yeah. I know, I know and, exactly. And sure enough, like we went back there like a few weeks later to go get our third well, round. It was it was, in our opinion, an infinite supply of wood for the <laughs> yeah. rest of our lives. <laughs> it was. And I was it like, was we're set. An entire city block full of discarded trees that had been cut down and thrown into this lot. Mm-hmm. And, they so, were, they were and a variety of wood. And we were starting yeah. to learn how to identify, like, is this oak? Is this maple? Is this pine? What is it? Because for the pizza oven, for, you know, for your listeners at home, Matt and I have this brick pizza oven in our backyard. We prefer to burn oak splits in there. Why oak splits? Um, it's just what's 
like preferred by the uh, they burn hot wood really oven hot. community. Uh, you know, but you can burn almost any hardwood in there. But they, I guess it's just and a split is smaller, and so um, you can control temperature instead of just like a large piece of wood that you would throw on there. Oh, I see. And yep. then the splits will often not have bark, so it's more uniform burning because bark can flare up hotter. You know. Oh. <clears throat> anyway, yep. so we were buying that stuff. Matt finds this lot. Holy shit. We have uh, an infinite supply yeah. of wood sent from the gods, if you will. <laughs> yeah. And Only God can make a tree. For a few yeah. weeks. Or kill one. Exactly. <laughs> God or nature. Yeah. 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 But then it, it got, you know, somebody caught on. Um, likely because... But so were, you guys you guys had... So you guys have apartments in Wicker Park. Yep. Mm-hmm. And you had a chainsaw, or you got a chainsaw at the same trip to Menards? I had a chainsaw. Yeah. Matt had a chainsaw, 14-inch bar. Yeah, 14-inch. And then we came into an 18-inch uh, bar chainsaw. Mm-hmm. So we have two of them now. Came yeah. into, I mean, yep, sure. and just to be clear, what did not happen is that you went out and killed someone in a chainsaw fight and observed their chainsaw game of well, we had a murder axe, but we didn't have a chainsaw. <laughs> and then we came into a chainsaw, and now we have both a murder we actually, axe. We actually had a nice axe chainsaw. and no chainsaw, and then we had a murder axe and a chainsaw. Uh, uh, so we had this chainsaw, which was gifted to us by our neighbor, Chris. And I'd say Chris deserves a lot of credit in uh, inspiring us to get into this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, shout out to Chris. Shout out to Chris. Out Chris. Saw, him on the, saw Chris on the way here. Now we're going to name names. Saw Chris on the way here. His, his name may not be Chris. We're calling him Chris. <laughs> Maybe his name is Chris. <laughs> Who's to say? Saw Chris on the way here, and he also today texted Matt with uh, news of a five-foot diameter section of cottonwood that he had discovered in his neighborhood. And so... He went up and asked the lumber crew that was cutting down this old cottonwood tree if they could section off a piece of this tree. So imagine a disc section from a large trunk that is five foot diameter. Because technically speaking, just um, for clarity, is that like the tree is a cylinder lined on its side. You cut um, discs from it. Yep. And then you cut the discs into strips. And yep. then you split the strips? Well, so typically you would uh, cut a section of that tree, like uh, not into a disc. If you wanted to use it for firewood and lumber, you'd cut a section of it. And then you would cut that section down into like maybe uh, two or three feet, right? Maybe two feet, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe even one foot. Yeah. And then you would split that to cut into this. This disc is probably thinner. The idea is that this disc could be used to make something like a table. Ah. Uh, solid piece, right? Yeah. So shout out to Chris again. There's a large piece of wood sitting in some person's front lawn in like the Oak Park area that we're going to get tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And we're going to rent a Penske 12 foot truck from Home Depot to go pick this thing up. Does this person know that no. this is what's happening? No, no. No, they well, don't know. Yeah, they will. They will. <laughs> <laughs> what's nice is we've got a nice little network. Of, got a nice uh, of friends yep. and who know our interest in, in trees. Sure. So that, I mean, I, there was a period during the you know summer storms where I was getting texts like every other week about, hey, here's this tree here at this intersection, and 
you know, we'd make the decision whether it's worth it to go out there or not. Most of the times we did. So, the, I mean, this is this is fascinating to me because, um, you know, the the newsletter has a, a very modest readership at this point of about 150 people. And the, the Oh, thank you. Well, the Axemen of Avondale has generated about uh, 5x the reader response of anything else on there. Oh. And how much have you guys, like, there's this um, trope that, like, there's the guy in college who, you know, wears shorts all winter, or the guy who walks around with a snake, and, like, once you actually have a thing, people, like, gravitate to you, and, I mean, this is already happening here, that I was like, oh, man, you guys are, like, chopping wood and doing firewood, like, that's so cool, has, has it, um, like, how has it kind of changed just the, or, or created, I guess to use a better uh, vocabulary, just created fuel for like relationships or like being in touch with people or, you know, all that. Totally. Um, pretty much any new guest to the house, we offer up the activity of chopping wood. Most often they say yes. Um, I, I liken it to um, almost like Fight Club. <laughs> yeah, Except we are talking let, about Fight Club. Know yeah, you're on a podcast about Fight Club. But it's it's been it's been I think just like especially during COVID, right? I mean, it's just something that's like it gets you outside. Even when it's cold, get outside, right? And then do something that might warm you up a little bit. So from that interest, it's appealing, right, for most people. And then when you know it's like, when you actually take that first swing and you chop a piece, you're like, well, that was actually, you know, definitely there's something weirdly primitive about it. And I think yeah. it appeals to anybody who's over. And it has. I mean, it's like, we've had a few, what, like three or four different, um, you know, girls, women try to try to do it. And they've like had a good time. And um, some people just kind of want to watch and just like be a part of like the community. We're drinking beers and making a fire at the same time. So it's inviting. So, so the primal aspect of it, um, obviously we were talking a little bit before we started recording, you have this kind of um, thought about how nature is either a spectator sport or something we obliterate. Like is splitting wood sort of like the, the, the kernel of like that um, sweet, sweet spot between the two? Yeah, I mean, as long as it's, you know, not a brand new tree that you cut down, which we haven't done yet. Right. Um, yes, I think I think uh, if you think about our interaction with nature, it's probably best met through trees. I mean, they are the driver of like so many like human applications, mm -hmm. and um, so when there's there's just I don't know, it just feels when you're with like a tree, especially that was fallen, that was gonna to go to waste, or anyway, you just kind of feel like this re-engagement, sort of less, sort of rejuvenated excitement to like use it in some cool, fun way. And even if you're in a parking lot, you know, and behind a house, when you're working with a piece of wood like that, it's just like, I don't know, I think everybody's eyes kind of open up because it's, it's something we're highly like deprived from. Yeah. I mean, Saron, you were talking about the different like uses that you evaluate the the different types of wood for. So, like, obviously, you have the firewood that you you know bring here in exchange for bar taps, which just feels so like 
1910s. Dude, I've done a lot of deals in my time, Healy. This is one of the best deals. <laughs> I mean, it feels, it, feel, it, feels so, it feels so last pandemic. Um, but, like, the other uses and stuff, like, what, what's that, um, like, sourcing and allocation, like, picking out what you're going to do? Like, what, what's going on there? Like, what other projects do you guys have going on with this? Well, yeah, this is something that, like, is interesting because uh, I'm just learning about this through, uh, and mostly because of, like, interest in it, um, and, like, a lot of it has to do with what Matt was just saying there, which is, like, you know, we're very disconnected with, like, the origin of the thing we interact with every single day. Like, I'm sitting on, like, a wood seat chair, and I'm looking at wood tabletops around me right now, and wood is used so much in like everything that we like build and interact with but people know it comes from trees but people really don't know much about like the process you know and so we're learning about it in a very cursory way um and, and so like to me again it just goes back to like what i said before which is like oh i, I like oh there's this tree that has been like cut down because trees are cut down all the time it's like People think it's sad, and sometimes it is. It is sometimes sad, but sometimes it's not. It's just what happens. Like, areas are cleared, trees are cut down, trees are replanted. And we're taking whatever is there and repurposing it and trying to put it to use for something. Other projects are like these slabs I mentioned where we might make a tabletop out of it or just collecting pieces that we think are nice and storing it somewhere. Matt stores wood all the time with the idea of maybe making something from it one day. Um, and other stuff we just decide to cut up and burn, you know? So that's it, it's pretty limited. There's much more you can do with it. But for us, for us, it's like, make something out of it, save it, because it's cool, and we may make something out of it, or cut it up and burn it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and there's the element of like, you know, if you, you store this, you need to like let it dry. Like we don't have yeah. a kiln. Um, yeah, air drying is, is from air drying is completely a, a great thing to do, and you, everybody should kind of do that if you want to make something from like a live edge standpoint. Like buying it from buying construction labor to do furniture that way, it's it's not the same, right? It just doesn't cut the same. Um, many times the kiln dry just doesn't hold up, especially live edge. You cannot really have live tell, edge unless tell you're the buying. Tell listeners what live edge means. So live edge just means literally like the edge of the tree is maintained so that you can see like it had, it preserves its natural look um, many times. Like you can see the ring. Yeah. And, yeah. Or the ring, you can see there like the ring or, the or just, you know, a vertical <coughs> band like it wasn't cut, Oh, I see. Like right. It wasn't cut to be a perfect rectangle right. or square, but you can see that it's like mm -hmm. shaped. And it's beautiful. Like an, an organic aesthetic is what it would present yeah. as right. in final product. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's a, and it's a big you know, trend to the point where the retailers are offering their own version of a lot of live edge. And I've bought and played with some of that stuff. It just doesn't hold up. It's almost like a, it was recreated to have a live edge versus actually have a live edge. So, but in order to do that, you got to have it dried out. Otherwise working with Greenwood's impossible. Yeah. Um, so we save a lot and knowing that, just knowing that there will be probably some use case for a functional need. And my first one was like my coffee table in my, you know, my living room is out of two giant ash wood slabs. Um, that I waited quite some time for those to be dry, but you know, you'll, having having material is, is really good for just like creativity. I think when you can just see things. Otherwise, it's like 
some distant dream. But if you right. have some material to like review and sort of sift through for to match the need that you just randomly thought of, it I mean that's so that's, that's like a universal point in a lot of ways. Like the I have not done the hard work of like cutting down a tree, but like we've the three of us have like talked about it here or there, but it's like when we actually go through the process of getting to like an intentional discussion about this material, like I'm, I'm learning a lot. And so I can only imagine the degree it goes to when you're actually working with the physical element. Certainly. I mean, how much of um, like the, I, I want to call it practice, I don't know if that's the right vocabulary, but how much has adopting this practice um, started to just like infuse your like you know, 24-7 personality, like, even when you're not directly engaged with it. Like, you know, it's that a lot of people feel like, for instance, when they start yoga, that, like, they'll, they'll feel like it's just totally, uh, like, opens their whole world in a lot of ways. Like, do, do you think that this is something that's actually, like, infusing just your entire persona, or do you think it's actually, like, no, this is an awesome thing that we're doing? It's an interesting question. I'd say that my personal experience, like in a couple things, like in, in developing a yoga practice or when I used to take a lot of like improv classes and do improv, those were things that permeated my life and everything in major ways and still last today. This is not quite the same, but it is like uh, additive, incremental mm -hmm. in like just mixing it into the pot and, and fun and cool. So like, you know, for instance, like I was walking on this golf course I mentioned recently where we had been taking wood from and then I saw some guys out there that were clearing wood and I was like, oh, hey, yeah, my buddy and I have been doing the same thing. We've been coming up here and taking some wood and, you know, they're like, oh, that's great. Let me add you to our group text chain. All the guys that come up here and do this stuff and have chainsaws and want to do the things you're talking about and we'll let you know when we're doing like burns and we'll let you know when we need help with like chainsaws and cutting stuff down and I'm like cool like if I didn't if we weren't doing this that wouldn't be a thing and now I have this group text with rando dudes on the north shore that are into the same thing we're doing <laughs> which is hilarious you know uh, I don't know so there's like elements like that um, but yeah maybe I'd have to live with it a little bit longer to understand how it would permeate what is that the same for you you would say yeah I think for me it's just like, it's very similar to the way I view like our human interest in cooking mm -hmm. versus eating out, right? There's like, it's using what's around you to make what you need. So like, why is wood and furniture making any different, right? And why, so it, it, for me, it was just sort of like this continued expression of, you know, yes, cooking is fun and it's amazing to have like that communal experience of giving something you know, to somebody serving somebody a meal that you created. Um, but it's also like kind of an expression of like taking back this, what has largely been outsourced, right? I mean, we outsource everything, um, cooking to, to, you know, buying $7 bundles of like four logs from, from, right. from Lowe's. Right. Like you just, right. you know, we just buy it. The division of labor yeah. is <clears throat> uncontrolled. Yeah. yeah, it's so easy. I mean, yeah. especially, I mean, probably Amazon Prime yourself to, you know, in two hours, firewood for all I know. Yeah. Um, but that's, you, you know, you lose out a lot of great benefits by doing that. I mean, the, the, the fact that we can, like, have fun together 
going through the process ourselves right. and then land with something that we need is awesome. Um, so for me, it's, it's just sort of, yeah, I mean, it, it have a lot of like inherent sort of um, reward. Like you want to find more stuff that scratches this same. Yeah, exactly. For, yeah. yeah, it's like appreciating the world around you. Yeah. Right? It's like, like we drive by trees and fallen trees all the time. It's and like now we look at them differently, very differently. Resourcefulness in the way that you learn about it in like third grade social studies, which is like the truest reckoning of it. Right, yeah. right. And that applies to like a lot of materials. I mean, I just saw like across the parking lot there, like there's just a big pile of bricks just sitting there. It's probably going to go in a landfill. And yeah. I'm like, uh, you know, and this is where our, the, my interest gets a little bit dangerous because I'm like, what if I just took those bricks? Which, you know, is probably trespassing. Um, so I'm not going to do it. But, but, yeah. but, but there's so much material around, especially in the city, from people's wastefulness yeah. that we can use in some way. That's very, that's, that's, um, that's super interesting. We're, we're hitting on the, um, the memory card limit here. So just one final question. It's a little bit lower stakes. What percentage of your guys' um, physical fitness regimen at this point is comprised of, of lumbering activities? Well, I will say this. Instead of riding my stationary bicycle the other night, I chopped wood for one hour. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> and that's got to be a better workout than 60 minutes on a bike. I don't know. Yeah. We'll find out. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely working out different muscles. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think I could, you know, forego a workout one night to chop wood. For sure. I mean, it's been 100% of my workouts for the past, like, three weeks. Um, that's, that's just because I haven't been working out. But I mean, like, a couple runs a week and a couple, like, hour, two-hour sessions of chopping wood is... Yeah. It's amazing. You can feel like you just went through, you know, weightlifting for a half hour. That's essentially what you're doing. Um, all right. Well, Matt Rajabi, Pat Cerrone, the yeah. X-Men of Avondale. Um, thank you for coming on the, the first ever WSJ Friday pod. I, it will probably uh, get broadcast on a different day, but that's what we're calling it. Um, Love it. Thanks a lot. Thank I, you. I, all right. Thanks, Mike.